Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel. Only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. The whole country is spinning about health care and government takeovers. Well, we're talking bracket busters, Cinderella stories, and the National Football League. Mike, we're getting ready to roll here. Are you ready? Do it. You ready? Do it. Let's do this. 60 seconds. Whatever blue that. One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends. One heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Mike, I hope you're watching the tournament, buddy. I can't go over this. That is uh, the NCAA. It's Mark Madness. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Red vs. Blue High Stakes Radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. And uh, Mike is still uh, reeling over the uh, excitement of his University of Kentucky Wildcats. As always, I'm joined by my big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Mike Trent. Mike, the Wildcats had no problem dismantling the Big Red of Cornell. Well, the one thing they had to do was defend the three. Uh, you know, that's something that we talk about. Uh, Cornell, they shoot well from the from the three-point line, but, uh, you know, do they shoot well from it uh, when when you're facing somebody that can guard against it? Kentucky, is, they're 18% 
defending the three-point shot. So they're, okay. they've already shown that they can defend the three-point shot. So, uh, but we'll see what happens uh, come tomorrow at seven oh five against uh, West Virginia. We do have a long about they have a big game finally against the Big East. Uh, that's what we've been waiting for is to see what UK looks like against a respectable team. Obviously, the Big East has had their struggles, but there's no doubting the level of competition that that conference goes through all throughout the season. Tennessee with a big win tonight. What a great game that was as well, Mike. Uh, Tennessee putting it to Ohio State with a, just a classic finish in the last couple of minutes there. Bucket after bucket, back and forth. Looked Reminded me a lot of last night's game with K-State and Xavier. And, Mike, I'll tell you, that hasn't been a better basketball game for me in quite a while in the NCAA tournament than K-State and Xavier. Yeah, absolutely. That was awesome. That was awesome. And, uh, you know, for all those naysayers, for all those uh, people in the NCAA that want to expand this to 96 teams or 90-whatever, why screw up something that is so good? Because this tournament is that good. So, you know, you don't need to expand it. Just let it it happen and let it uh, take its fruition. You got your St. Mary's, uh, unfortunately got beat today, but, uh, you know, you got a lot of teams that made it to the Sweet 16 that, sure. you know, I mean, they deserve like to never be before. Like we've, like we've never seen before. Look at all look at all the teams with, with St. Mary's and, and Xavier and all, all, all these smaller, Northern Iowa, I mean, Cornell, all these smaller oh. teams. What an amazing, amazing tournament we've seen this year. I, in K-State, I tell you, this team is loaded for Bear Mike, if you want to say that. With those two guards, Pollard and Clemente, they will be in every single game. They have the size underneath. As I'm watching that team, I'm just asking myself, all throughout the game, they can hang with Kentucky. They can hang with Kentucky. They can hang with Kentucky. They've got the size, Mike. you got to admit, they got the size, they got the speed, and they got the shooting power. Uh, to, to match up with Kentucky, that could be one heck of a championship game, Mike. Well, there, there's no doubt about it. And the, the one thing that we all have to remember, it's not necessarily the the talent or uh, or the shooting ability or what they have. It's the will, the will to win. And every single team that's left has the will to win. I mean – NC State, they had the will to win way back a long time ago. Villanova, uh, they had the will to win. That's what it takes. You know, you have to have that team, that coach, the coach to to have the team to buy into it and say, hey, guys, we can do this. We can do this. Yeah, it's all about about coaching. Talk about will to win, Mike. Butler over Syracuse, the local hometown boys here from Butler, Looks like they're one game away from being a, a, a Final Four home team here in Indianapolis. And Mike, I got to tell you, there is just so much basketball talent here in the Midwest, in the heart, right in the heartland. This is the crossroads, Indianapolis, and this area. You've got Indiana teams, you've got Kentucky teams, you've got Ohio teams. There's so much good basketball being played in the heartland of this country. You just got to take a take a look back, and at least we have something to hang our hat on. We might not have beaches. We might not have a lot of sunshine, but we've got basketball. Yep. Well, you know, things go in cycles because uh, if you remember about uh, about Carolina, North Carolina, it was uh, UNC, Duke, Wake yep. Forest. You know, you, you go on down the line. It goes on. It goes in cycles, but uh, there's no 
there's no doubt about it, Scott. The, the region, uh, Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, you can kind of include Illinois, you know, if they get the stuff together. But uh, the whole region uh, has a lot of great basketball to offer. And, uh, you know, we're seeing it with uh, Purdue giving Duke all they can Purdue, have. there you go. Yeah, Purdue also. We got Purdue here battling Duke. And then, you know, you saw Xavier last night. That's an Ohio team. Jamal Crawford, a former IU player, was just outstanding. That kid can flat out play. It's amazing to think the type of talent that Indiana could have if they were to just hang on to that. But uh, a lot of good things going on in the NCAA. And, again, that's, what, uh, that's what's been driving us the last couple of weekends. Last Friday night I was watching the Louisville game and uh, fell off the wagon here with uh, the Cardinals, man. They, uh, they really let us down, but. Uh, Kentucky's still in it. Purdue's still oh, yeah. alive here, hanging on by a thread. Well, I'm, I'm going to say something right now. Uh, while we were watching this game live last week, California, they showed me a heck of a lot. I mean, th- this team can run. They can shoot, run, and shoot. So, yeah. I don't know if Louisville played such a bad game or California. Yeah, took it all out of them playing catch-up, dude. And then they just had a Cal had a lot of things going their way. I mean, that you know they they shot like about a forty five footer there at the end of the end of the first half on one leg. I mean, there's not a lot you can do about that. So, uh, but nonetheless, you 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 have the Elite Eight will be wrapped up by the time this show is over tonight. It'll either be Duke or Purdue, and then up on top you'll have Northern Iowa or Michigan State going in, and then you'll have your final eight teams, your Elite Eight, set to play two games Saturday, two games Sunday, then the final four on the weekend. Mike, I'm sure. If Kentucky makes it there. You'll be heading up to Indianapolis in all the action here for the Final Four. So let's look forward to uh, that possibility. In other news, Mike, the National Football League, we're going to start in, and back over in the NFL. We have, we have a new overtime rule, and let me just break it down for those fans that have just been kind of listening but not really hearing what's going on. The overtime rule, Mike, it goes like this. It's, it's just like it was before. The coin toss decides, you know, who, who gets the ball first. They get to make that decision. That first team gets a chance to score. Mike, if they score a touchdown, game over, just like sudden death. If you go down and drive your team down all the way to score, game over, okay? But if you only score a field goal, then the game continues. The opposing team, the team that gets the ball second, gets a chance to go down and score. If they only get a field goal, then it's sudden death. Uh, if they score a touchdown, obviously, they win the game. So Mike is going to bring up a lot of interesting scenarios here. You might have a team win the coin toss, go down, fourth and goal from the five. Do you kick a field goal or do you go for the score? What do you think about this new rule, Mike? Well, I'm, I'm hedging on it. Uh, part of me likes it. Part of me doesn't. Uh, I would like to see a 10-minute overtime. Straight up, 10-minute overtime, whether you win the toss, lose the toss, it doesn't matter. Uh, if you're going to change the rules in the overtime, let's do it right. 10-minute overtime. 10-minute overtime and just let them, uh, you know, do what they need to do. Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't mind it the way it started because if your defense is good enough, put them out on the field and let's get it done. You know, stop them. Stop. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the way. It, you know, I guess I'm. I guess I'm old school, but uh, you're old school, the, the Mike. Rule, you're, uh, yeah, you're old school. Oh man. The 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 vote was an overwhelming uh, victory for this rule, twenty-eight to four. 
28 coaches approved of this new rule. And, and they're looking at statistics. Uh, since, 90, since 93, uh, the team who received the ball, received the kickoff in overtime, has won 60% of the time. They wanted to shore that back up. But if you look at the stats from 74 to 93, Mike, it was dead even, 50-50. Now, they say, well, things are cyclical or what have you. Well, it has been, you know, almost about 20 years now that it's been about a 60% win percentage for the team who gets the ball first. They accredit it, Mike, to these following two things, field goal accuracy and better field position. They say both of those things have improved. Now, there's other ways to conquer both of those. I mean, obviously, we make the goal pole smaller, <laughs> you know, thinner, so that if you don't have as much uh, width, you know, half the field to kick the ball through, or you, uh, you know, you pin them back there a little bit deeper. Just like, uh, I don't know how much this really changes the philosophy of overtime or what it really does to defeat the problem that you had. You still have a chance to go down and score yeah. your touchdown and win the game. Scott, there was no problem to begin with. The only problem is people are, you know, teams are tired of hearing about a coin toss. Look, yeah, you have offense and defense, and if your defense is good enough, then all you have to do is stop the team that gets the coin toss. That's all you have to do. I, mean, I, I, I don't know how much simple – it has to be. I mean, just stop yeah. them, and then you get the ball back. Yeah. They talk, Mike, this is, you know as well as I do, look, bottom line is this is a quarterback-driven league. They want to see the quarterback on the field. If you're going to lose a game, they don't want to see Peyton Manning not getting a chance. They don't want to see the defense lose it for you. They want to see Peyton Manning out there with a chance to win the game. That's the type of philosophy that the National Football League has right now, and so we'll see. It won by overwhelming majority. I'm looking in the chat room right now, and the overwhelming majority of the chat room say that it's a good rule. Lance in the chat room. What up, Lance, baby? He says he likes it for the overs, Mike, and as a betting man, I know you can appreciate that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Well, the, well, Scott, you know, I, and I understand what Lance is saying. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, you know, I, I'm not against the rule. I just don't think that it's needed. <laughs> Well, uh, well, we'll find out. And I think it's a little bit of socialism mixed in there, too. Kind of equaling out the playing field a little bit. This isn't college. We don't have Northern Iowa football teams in here, you know, that you have to that you have to give a break to. You know, these are National Football League defenses. Like, I kind of agree with what you're saying. Like, they don't really need to fix the rule, but they put it in. I think more than anything, it's not fixing a problem. It's just kind of making the game a little more exciting. And anything that does that for the fans and gets the quarterback out there, gets the offense and the fantasy scorers out there, I guess I'm for it. So at the end of the day, I give it a thumbs up. Mike, you give it a thumbs down, I'm assuming. Uh, well, I don't give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I, you know, I, I just – I guess I'm just walking the fence. <laughs> well, you're still you're still thinking U.K. basketball. you got it on the brain, I'm sure, so – Let's move on then, Mike. We've got to move on to this next story here that we have. Donovan McNabb, rumored to be on the trading block. It's not. It's progressed well past the rumor at this point. It's actually confirmed, Mike. The McNabb and the Eagles, they have an offer for McNabb services from the St. Louis Rams, who are desperate for a quarterback. 2010 second-round pick, plus the free safety of Talkway, to the Eagles for Donovan McNabb. McNabb wants a contract reworked. If this happens, St. Louis 
has a little bit of a legitimacy uh, issue solved. They've got a top pick in the draft. You bring in McNabb. You start to utilize some of these weapons. Maybe Steven Jackson returns to his elite form. Mike, does Philly pull the trigger on this? They've got Colvin, Colvin Vick in the background here. Well, the, you know, one thing about it is Donovan McNabb, he wants to be happy. You can tell right away that this guy, he wants to be competitive and happy. I don't think he's happy in Philly right now um, because of Kevin Cobb and uh, Michael Vick. If, if he gets moved, if he gets traded, uh, he's going to be – He's going to be even, you know, he's going to make such an impact on a team like uh, St. Louis, you know, like what you said. Um, the one thing about it, if you're a fantasy owner of Kevin Cobb, keep Kevin Cobb. I'm telling you, keep Kevin Cobb. The, the situations that Kevin Cobb uh, was under and had to, you know, start when McNabb was down last year, he proved that he could throw for 400 yards. He can do whatever needs to be done. Uh, so, Donovan McNabb, is, in my opinion, as a fantasy owner, is, I hate to say this, expendable. Well, that's that's, that's what we're going to find out. I, I, I think we're going to see a move here, Mike. I really do. I think Philly, uh, it, it's just time. And it's the, it's the chance that you have to move this guy. I don't think it's the best decision for, for a team, especially a team that feels like they're still in the pocket to win. But if they make this move, what they're saying is, we're not going to win the Super Bowl. And, and with that defense, I don't know how you say that, really. I mean, that, that defense is championship caliber, Mike. It feels like they're just a play here or there away from, from turning some of those losses into Ws. It's, they're always right there, but for some reason, maybe it's McNabb, maybe it's decision-making, for some reason – it doesn't happen. Now, this year, with wasn't it Dallas? Didn't they just get rolled by Dallas in the playoffs? I mean, that was a different type of game. But well, I don't know. You know I, I think if you're, if you're Philly you, and you trade McNabb, you're telling your fans we're not competing for a Super Bowl. Well, uh, you know, I understand what you're saying, Scott, and that makes a lot of sense because uh, it's just like us as uh, high-stakes fantasy uh, football owners, uh, especially in dynasty leagues. Do you trade – your primo guy, your primo wide receiver or quarterback for a one pick. I mean, what's it going to take to get McNabb? And it sounds like it's going to take – he's going to go cheap. Well, I don't know if that's cheap, but I guess when you think about McNabb, the name McNabb, it does seem a little cheap. I mean, a lot of people put him up there in that echelon tier of, of the top quarterbacks of our age with Warner and Manning and Brady and – you know, but I, I think for the for the quality of his play and his age, and the fact that he probably won't play as long as a as a guy like a Peyton Manning, I, I think this is this sounds about right for for the Eagles to go ahead and make a move. But you know, and and, and what does this say for Michael Vick? We haven't heard anything about that. Uh, maybe yeah. he stays with Philly and he's just content to be a backup or a Wildcat type role in Philly. Because if this happens, my guess is that Vic stays in Philly. Well, the one thing about it, Scott, is what kind? What what does Michael Vick bring to the table? All right, now I'm going to throw away all the past right now. Michael Vick brings a slashing type of player, and he's he's not going to do that in the NFL. The NFL they've experienced with that; it doesn't work. It does not work. The slashing 
type of quarterback that drop back and then move. It does not work in the NFL. So Mike Vick, he needs to find a new position or something else. I mean, I hate to say that, but, uh, you know. I disagree. I disagree. I think this is his first year back. They're getting acclimated, Mike. They're not going to throw him to the wolves. He's not ready for that. But I, but I think he does have the type of, of, of play that, that can lead a team, especially a team like a Buffalo or, you know, somebody oh, that doesn't no. have a quarterback or a Cleveland. I mean, no, a guy like Vic could definitely oh, fit no, in. No, no. We've seen, we've seen what he did in Atlanta. All right. Is he better than Matt Shaw? No. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, no, no, no. Not, not in the same ballpark. I guess my point is this, that they use they, – look, you're only going to use Vic in that way because you have McNabb. You want McNabb out on the field. The only thing they were going to showcase with Vic was what you saw last year. Now, when oh, McNabb is not on the field, hey, you might see Cole. We don't know anything about Cole. Can Cole hang – can Cole uh, hold up through the whole season? Probably. No, there, there's a lot of question marks around that guy. Yeah, he's got good arms. He sounds like a smart guy. But if that guy goes down – Vic steps in and is a quarterback in the league at at, a, at an NFL level. I think that's a smart move by Andy Reid to hang on to Vic if McNabb yeah. goes. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I like the move uh, for St. Louis, for especially if they can afford it and they can go ahead and give McNabb the contract that he, kind of, that, that he requires. Go for it, man. Donnie Avery, Lawrence Robinson, a couple of those guys, and then Steven Jackson, man. That 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 elevates his stock tremendously. Hey, Scott, Steven Jackson, he's been begging for some help, and, uh, you know, help may be coming. And I'll tell you what, if you're a dynasty owner right now that owns Steven Jackson, might be a time to go ahead and, uh, you know, this would be a time to generate some interest. While there's possibility of McNabb coming on, they're going to think about that. They're going to say, man, if we can alleviate some of that pass rush and and not have eight in the box all the time, Jackson becomes, a you know, a legitimate top five running back for sure. So, you know, I'm looking at that box score of that Dallas-Philly game just because I was curious uh, in the playoffs. And McNabb, man, 19 for 37 for 230. 19 for 37 is just not going to cut it in the playoffs, man. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have a running game. I don't know why they only used – they only gave LaShawn McCoy five carries. They gave Weaver five carries. you got to have a running game. And I know Dallas jumped out on them a little bit. You know, they, they really hit that huge 27-point second quarter. Uh, and, and that kind of takes your running game away. But look, you just can't do that to McNabb. They drop back in coverage, and they just they just ate him alive. And, and, and I don't know, maybe that was the problem. That that sounds more like defense was the problem in that game. Um, you know, I mean, it's not McNabb's fault. You can't you can't sit here and say McNabb doesn't win the big game. Um, they had a, a Romo kind of went off on them in that second quarter. I mean, twenty seven point second quarter. The defense that's the defense's fault. So. I mean, I, well, I, I think don't want to blame that for everything. When you get uh, real emotional and the part of the game like McNabb does, I mean, he gets very emotional. You know, he's not pointing fingers, but in a way he does as far as uh, the defense. It's like, oh, come on, guys, come on, guys, you know, help me out. And, uh, you know, McNabb's going, man, I just want to get this offense back on the field so we can uh, so we can do some things. So there was a story of McNabb. We'll find out. There's been a lot going on in the in the in the news this week. Uh, Felix Jones could start. Jerry Jones is talking about Felix. You know they want to get Felix involved early in games, and 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 I guess what they're saying is Marion Barber could be benched this year, and Felix could be the starter, and they could kind of rotate in and out still. 
but they do want to get more carries for Felix Jones. Jerry Jones has been on record. This has always been his guy, Felix Jones. Mike, you're the Cowboy fan. I'll let you comment. Does Felix deserve to be a starter over Marion Barber? Oh, no no question about it. Uh, Marion Barber, he's he's hardcore uh, when it comes goal line, goal line situation. Uh, you know, when it comes goal line situation, uh, Marion Barber, I mean, he is tough as tough can get. Uh, Phyllis Jones, he's more open field. Uh, you know, Barber, I mean, he kind of likes that, but uh, Phyllis Jones, he thrives on it. He thrives on the uh, on the open field situation. He, thri- he thrives on uh, catching the ball in the backfield and just uh, picking apart uh, the secondary left and right and just moving down and, you know, I mean, he loves that. I don't know. He's definitely, I agree with you, he's definitely going to be a touchdown hog uh, when he gets in there, and so we'll have to see what he's capable of. But uh, Jerry Jones is definitely his guy, and, and that uh, we, we were hoping for it to see Phyllis Jones last year. I don't know. It just didn't really happen for him, and maybe maybe this will be the year. There's all kinds of news we could talk about right now, Mike. Uh, you know, uh, for Bears fans, you've got Lovey Smith talking about Forte. He, said, he used the word initially. He wanted to start, you know, the season. But that's not a big vote of confidence in my book. You just signed Chester Taylor, and now you're talking about initially. If you're a dynasty owner of Matt Forte, his value is already low. you got to hang on to him and, and, and see what happens here, right? Right. So, right. No doubt. I mean, you got to hang on to him and, uh, you know, just – but he hasn't done anything, and, and that kind of that kind of frustrates any owner that has uh, Matt Forte. I, you know, you just got to be like – well, what the heck's going to happen here? But, uh, you know, I had Kevin Cobb. I drafted Kevin Cobb three years ago, and uh, yep. next thing you know, he might be a starting quarterback for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. So, Well, i got to give credit to my, my boy EBF, East Bay Funk, for, for calling Matt Forte the bust of the year. Before the season started, he watched enough game tape. He saw enough Bears games. He said, Look, and he was being drafted in the top five in dynasty picks all throughout, you know, top ten at least, uh, all throughout the year last year in the offseason. And, and, you know, you, you paid a tremendous price, him and Steve Slayton. Both of those guys were going top, you know, first round into the second, in the beginning of the second uh, as dynasty as dynasty picks and initial dynasty drafts. And now look at their value. You've just got to hold and pray that they salvage something. I think Slayton could salvage some of that value. You've got to watch what Houston does in the draft, though. That's that could definitely well, uh, take a turn for the worst. Well, something I want to talk to you about, Scott, and uh, to all the listeners, is uh, we talked about it earlier today, was uh, the Jets, uh, as far as Sean Green and LT, this is a two-headed monster. Uh, this team has so much going for them that it's, it's going to make people, I mean, it's going to make them crazy. I mean, Miami, New England, all of them, they got to be like, wow, what are, what are we facing here? Well, and the best part is for you HBO subscribers, Hard Knocks was announced. The New York Jets will be on the uh, the cover team for that wow. series. And uh, Rex in the city, basically. Rex Ryan did go on record to say that uh, LT and Sean Green will have mixed carries. He said, you know, some games LT will have 15 carries some and have more, more carries than Sean Green. Other games, Sean will have more carries. They're going to really just pound the ball and, and whatever back is fresh they're going to use. 
Mike, that's going to be a that's going to be a wicked two headed uh, monster there. And then you've got Leon Washington, who they want to see in the fold. He could not. He might not be with the team. We don't know what's going to happen with that. But uh, Leon Leon Washington will be in the mix there as well. Um, yeah, Mike, also in Oakland. Go ahead. Also in Oakland, Tom Cable, the coach, uh, has said on record, McFadden or Bush, he wants to see one of these guys being every down back in the NFL. Now, Mike, you know where I stand. I'm biased here, and I've had Michael Bush high on my radar as a top dynasty draft running back uh, for quite a while. He's in my top 15. Mike, what do you think, honest opinion from an outside perspective, McFadden or Bush, who has a better shot at becoming an every down back for the Oakland Raiders? No question about it, it's Michael Bush. Uh, McFadden, he, he's too gibby, he, he does this and that. Uh, Michael Bush, he went through an injury. He went through a tough time for about a year, year and a half, and he made he made it through it. And he broke runs last year that a lot of teams, have, they would, they're envy, they're envious of what they saw out of Michael Bush. Uh, so, to answer your question, Michael Bush. Well, I hope you're right. I think the guy has all the tools. And listen, Oakland might be a bad football team, but it's not where fantasy players go to die. We had years with Charlie Garner uh, in the backfield. He was a, he was a big-time weapon for them. So, you know, running backs have done well in that system. I mean, Fargus had big games uh, for spot duty. It, it, is, it, is a, it is a place where you can have big games and, you know, Take advantage of the receptions and the touchdowns. It's not just a uh, fantasy wasteland. Now, for wide receivers, on the other hand, you've got Jamarvin and Russell on one end of the ball, and so I really feel sorry for the for the wide receivers that went there. Darius Hayward Bay being one as well. But running backs might have an opportunity to do something. Uh, Mike, we've also got Gary. Hey, Scott, I think I traded uh, Hayward Bay to you, didn't I? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. The Colts have four wide receivers set. Four wide receiver sets announced in Indianapolis, Mike. Uh, Jim Caldwell said it. He's going to put all four wide receivers out there and let them go to town. Anthony Gonzalez, usually when a, when a player is injured, you don't lose your starting job. Now, Anthony Gonzalez is coming back fully healthy. Pierre Garçon has that job wrapped up. Where does Anthony yes. Gonzalez fit in? What does this do to the value of all those wide receivers in the lineup? I think Reggie Wayne's value goes way down. Uh, he's still going to be locked. Uh, I mean, he's going to be the rock of the team, uh, the way Marvin Harrison was a couple years ago. But I think Reggie Wayne's value goes way down. I don't know about Reggie Wayne's value going down. I, I do know that if, if you're trading, if you own Austin Collie, you've got Garcon or Anthony Gonzalez, those three guys, it's going to be a crap shoot every single week. You don't know which receiver is going to go for six for 70 and two, which receiver is going to go for five for 80, which receiver is going to go one for 30. You know, you don't know which receiver is going to be because you've got, you've got Dallas Clark and Joseph Adai and Donald Brown. You have so many mouths to feed. In the Indianapolis offense, I think the only sure thing is Reggie Wayne. Well, I don't, I don't see how you can say that Reggie Wayne's value goes down when you just spouted off about six different uh, options that uh, Peyton Manning can go to. So, in my opinion, Reggie Wayne's value he it goes down because uh, Collie and uh, some of those other guys they're going to make uh, you know. 
that's a new indie offense. Well, I tell you, that's why I that's why I love drafting against guys like you, Mike. When I was in the World Championship in Vegas this year, guys fought like you did. Reggie Wayne fell to me at two seven, and I snagged him up at two seven, and he went on to be the number four rated wide receiver uh, last year, only behind a few names: Andre Johnson, Wes Welker, Randy Moss. There weren't too many guys that were in front of Reggie Wayne, Mike. He outperformed Larry Fitz, Marshall, Roddy White, Steve Smith, all the big names, Sidney Rice, Deshaun Jackson, Miles Austin. He outperformed all those guys. He's got room to play, room to spare in that offense with Peyton. He's his number one go-to guy. I just think that the rest of the guys that get really clustered up, I don't think they're guys that you can really buy at a significant value unless you have the time to wait. If you have the time to wait on Pierre Garçon, he is the guy to grab because, you know, how many, how many years does Reggie have left, Mike? Maybe three? Maybe? If, if you have I was going to say less than that. <laughs> well, I think he played kind of like Marvin. I mean, he, he didn't. He doesn't take a lot of hits. He was born in 78, so, you know, he's, he's already 32. He can definitely play the 35. His contract's up after uh, 11. I think it's 11. His contract's up, and they're not going to resign him. I think I think I think Peyton Manning is the guy that can he can play till forty if he wants and and, and Reggie Reggie can play till thirty five I think that's about the time where we'll we'll see him probably step out you might be right maybe it's less than three years I'm pinning it on three years probably with a decline on that third year but uh, again Mike lots of news here uh, Brandon Marshall still rumored to Seattle Pete Carroll has interest in the restricted free agent it sounds like Mike there's not too many teams left here. To get on this Brandon Marshall bandwagon, I mean, Cincinnati signed their guy. Baltimore uh, got Bowley. Uh Where can Marshall land here? Seattle isn't out of this contest, and, and, and it sounds like Marshall might end up there. Yeah, you know, it seems like uh, that uh, Brandon Marshall wants to land somewhere, some some way, but, uh, you know, in Seattle, I, could that be the could that be the spot for him? I'm not sure. Uh you know he's had he's had a lot of great opportunities uh, where he's been and uh, but uh, I hate Duke. I'm watching. I'm sorry. I'm watching Duke and did they win? Uh, yeah, yeah, they're winning easy. Man, but uh, Brandon Marshall, uh, Brandon Marshall is a tremendous talent and you know he could he could land with any team he wants to, but. I don't know what's going to happen with it. Well, and I don't think anybody does. There's not there's not a lot there to go off of. We don't know what's going to happen in that situation, so we'll just have to watch and see. Uh, Mike, I want to I want to go ahead and switch gears here a little bit. It's time for our player profile segment. We're not going to take a break tonight. We don't have enough time. We've got too much information to cover here tonight. There's 25 minutes left in the show. We've got the chat room popping, and we've got the player profile section with Javid Best, uh, the junior that came out of Cal this year to go into the NFL draft. And if you're playing dynasty football and you've got a 1-4, maybe a 1-5, maybe at the very latest a 1-6 rookie pick, you're thinking about what to do with it. And, and Javid's best name, his name is in the discussion here because I think we've got a consensus in some order. Ryan Matthews, C.J. Spiller, Des Bryant in the top three. Kind of jumbled them up and mixed them around. I went after the 1-1 here in the league this week, Mike, and it was funny. The guy sent me back. He sent me back a message. He said, hey, this is C.J. Spiller we're talking about here. I'm like, well, okay. I'll go on and go after the one-two pick now. <laughs> I'll 
according to the one-two pick, because I'm looking for Dez Bryant. But, you know, let's talk about Javid Best here for a minute. Mike, after we his freshman year, he was backing up Justin Forsett, uh at Cal. And, you know, Forsett had a good career, and, and he's going on, and it looks like he's having a good career, going to be uh, at Seattle here. As a freshman, this kid looked explosive. He didn't get a lot of touches, but when he did, he was electric. And his sophomore year, he did it even bigger, bigger and better, 15 touchdowns, about 190 carries. He averaged 8.1 yards per carry, Mike, in his sophomore year in a Pac-10 conference, okay? That's saying something. Now, in his junior year, he only got the ball 141 times, uh, still had a good, good yards per carry, 12 touchdowns. But this kid is not without injuries. He's 5'10", 195. I don't think he has the bulk or the strength uh, to handle every down duty in the NFL, not, not, not the strength or the bulk. Uh, he's 5'10", 195, good speed. But this kid has a couple of severe injuries, man. He had a severe concussion late in the year last year where he lost, missed three games and the, um, I don't know what bowl it was, Poinzetta Bowl or something, he, he had a severe concussion that game. If you saw him, like he was out that that game, it was delayed for 13 minutes on as a, on a game delay after that concussion, and it was everybody was kind of holding their breath with that. But the year before, he had a he had a, a, a neck injury. Uh, he had a dislocated elbow. He had left elbow surgery. He had a torn ligament. He had foot surgery where he had a bone uh, an extra bone there. I mean, this kid has had his his share of injuries. And but but it's interesting. There's a couple of authorities here. The National Football Post, uh, a good respected uh, site here that that reviews picks for us every year, they rank the be best dead even with C.J. Spiller. Now, wow. the best set a cow record, Mike, most rushing yards in a game for 311 yards. He set a most NCAA most all-purpose yards, 2,247 all-purpose yards. And uh, I tell you what, he uh, there's a couple of downsides. He was shut down last year against USC and Oregon, didn't do anything in the two big games, right? USC and Oregon, powerhouses in that, in, in college football, didn't do anything. Uh, early in the year, he did have a five-touchdown game versus Minnesota. Mike, that's it. Uh, David Best, 364 career carries, 2,600 yards and 29 touchdowns in roughly, really, only about a, se- a full season, a half a junior season, and then maybe a little bit of freshman season. Mike, what do you think about David Best? Well, you know, there's no doubt about it. He's he's awesome. I mean, he can play. He can play with uh, with the best of them. Uh, he can make an impact. You know, that that's the one thing that we're looking for is uh, is guys that they're going to make an impact right away. Uh, Spiller, he's going to make an impact right away. Uh, Des Bryant, he's going to make an impact right away. There's so many so many different uh, different players that that are in college that can make an impact right away. And it's just finding those ones that, uh, that, that can help your dynasty team out. Yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you what, Mike, I, I agree with you a hundred percent here. I think Beth has showed this elite ability with the ball in his hands. He has the potential to be a big time playmaker at the next level. He's got speed. He's got quickness. Like you said, he can be a factor from day one. And every offense is looking to add another player that's a threat to score every time he touches the ball. Here's the thing, though. With that said, Best doesn't have the the size, like I talked about, or the strength to handle the every down duty. He can be a part-time back in this league, Mike, and be a a tremendous asset to a team. Now, 
from what I saw of him, and I did, I do the YouTube videos. I kind of, I try to catch as much as I can in the season, but then I go back and look at game film and and try to watch those videos. It doesn't look like he has a big time breaking tackle ability, and it, and and from all the notes that I've heard, he doesn't have a lot of pass protection ability either. So again, this kid isn't going to be on the field for 30 plus plays a game. He would be definitely exploited, but I do believe that he has top 10 ability, kind of like the Reggie Bush type year that he had when he was a part-time back. When you ask him to do too much in between the tackles, not going to happen. But he has that top 10 ability to maybe maybe complement an Amon Bradshaw and a Brandon Jacobs. Somebody kind of be in the middle there, uh, you know, just to have, you know, with a good offensive line or something. So that's my spin on Jimmy Best. I don't think at 1-4 I take him. I think I take a shot. At one of the other guys, maybe one of those tall wide receivers. Uh, I don't think at one four I take him. I think I take a hard look at him at one five, and if he's there at one six, without hesitation, I take him. Yeah, you know you, you have to uh, almost. Uh, that's where you kind of shooting craps a little bit. But uh, the one thing about uh, those early round draft picks, especially the rookie, the rookie draft picks. You have to uh, you, you have to know what you're getting. I mean, even uh, you know, I can understand where uh, NFL teams are kind of going. Well, you know, do I take this guy? Do I th- or do I not take this guy? But uh, you know, us as uh, dynasty owners, uh, we're like, well, this yeah. means a lot to us. You know, well, so we traded the pick we, earlier, so you you know all about it. You you, you when you have a chance at a player, you got to evaluate it. If it doesn't seem rock solid, if it seems like that 1-4 pick, which, look, we've been in Dynasty League for a while, Mike, you know that 1-4 pick. It could be J.J. Arrington, another cow back that looked good in college. It, yeah. it could be Brandon Jackson, another back that looked good in college. If, and, and that 1-4 pick a lot of times doesn't work out. It seems like every year there's three really solid players. That fourth pick sometimes it's a crapshoot. Right, right. And, that, and, that, and that's what we got to do is, as owners is – Figure out which one is going to be good and that we know that's going to be good. And, you know, when you're drafting them, you know, it seems like everybody is drafting. It's like, okay, I've got the one full. Cool. Boom. You laid the draft pick. You got him, whether it's a wide receiver, quarterback, uh, running back. Yeah, and then next thing shot. you know, it's like you never hear from him. Right. You're like, throwing oh, a dart. No. You're throwing a dart. Mike, we're going to take a caller from the 817 here. Uh, let, let's go ahead and get this caller live in the uh, on the switchboard. 817, you're on the air with Red versus Blue. 817, you are on the air. Can you hear us, buddy? Last chance for 817. I don't have to give out your phone number, do I? Come on now. Call 817. <laughs> All right, we'll let A one seven take a nap again and get and, and, or maybe wake back up here before he tries to join us. Maybe he's just listening to the show here. Uh Mike, we're gonna move on to the next segment here. We call it uh Team One or Team Two. It's inspired by Cat in the Hat. I was sitting there reading my to my boys. I've got two boys, uh Simon and Elston. Simon is gonna be five in April. Elton just turned three. And at nighttime we like to sit down and we like to read our books. And they get to pick out which books they read. They each get to pick out a couple, and we have them hanging in the bedroom, and they just grab them, and we and we and we read them before bed. 
I'm reading Pat in the hat, and, and they've got thing one and thing two. Well, I started to think about the trades that we've been seeing here in these, in these dynasty leagues. And so I, we came up with a new segment inspired by Cat in the Hat. It's called Team One or Team Two, where the listeners and Mike, everybody in the chat room, you tell us which, which side of the trade you like better because, hey, we're all looking at these dynasty trades and we're seeing them go down, and then we have to evaluate what we thought of them. So here we go. Here's the first trade we saw this week, Mike. It was Larry Fitzgerald on one side for Team 1. Team 2 had to give up Marshawn Lynch, the 1-1 rookie pick, the 2-4 rookie pick, the 3-1 rookie pick, and the 2011 round 2. Team 1 gave up Fitzgerald. Team 2 gave up Marshawn, the 1-1 and all that. Which side do you like better, Team 1 or Team 2? I like the way that... uh... Team one made out, in my opinion, getting all those picks. So you like team one, and, and, and we're going to take a look and a look at the consensus in the chat room. But I'll tell you what, if, I, if I'm if i looking at this trade, and you, you think about the value of 1-1 Des Bryant, and then you think about Fitzgerald, look, Fitzgerald is almost impossible, impossible to, to get in any league. He's like the Calvin Johnson, Fitzgerald. Andre Johnson. These guys you cannot get for anything in these leagues, man. And, and to see him go, period. I mean, okay, the guy says, look, I'll give you 1-1 one, one and march on. The guy probably said, right. not enough. He said, okay, I'll throw in the 2-4. Not enough. He said, okay, I'll throw in the 3-1. He probably said, look, <laughs> man, fine, not enough. Okay, look, I'll throw in yet another next year second-round pick. What do you? How much more do you need? Now, what are all those picks, Mike? I don't know what any of those picks are. It just depends on what you need. You need better. But I think Fitzgerald, unless you're trying to build a brand new squad, Marshawn, you don't know what's what's going to be with him. He could be in jail next year for all I know. Des Bryant, a rookie, an unproven rookie, a lot of upside. You've got concerns with Matt Leiter maybe with Fitzgerald. But I like team. I like what Team Two did here. They gave up. They had picks. They had a, a back that they didn't want anything to do with. And they come out of this draft with Larry Fitzgerald, Mike. That's your winner, Team Two. I like Team One. <laughs> and in the chat room, it looks like Fitz, Team Two, Fitz, One One and Lynch, and uh, Fitz is a bust. So it looks like it looks like the votes are pretty even, Mike, back and forth. So I don't know what the consensus is there, but I will say that any chance to get a, a, a Larry Fitzgerald on your team, you go after it and you go after it with whatever you got with, with all guns blazing. And if it's draft picks, Mike, you give up every single draft pick you have to get yeah. a Larry Fitzgerald. It reminds me of what uh, Ditka did to go get um, to go get Ricky Williams. You remember that? Right. I, I do. I do. I kind of I, I kind of like that. Anything you can do to get Larry Fitzgerald. Now, I will tell you about a trade that got rejected this week. I went after – I have Andre Johnson in the league, and I said, look, if you give me Hakeem Nicks, the 1-3 and the 1-5, I'll give you Andre Johnson. Mm. He turned it He turned it down. <laughs> he turned it down. He turned it down. He turned it down. I was, I was wanting the 1-3, the 1-5, and Hakeem Nicks, and I was going to give up Andre Johnson, so – that was what I wanted. Wow. I wouldn't take any less than that because, again, the, the, the draft picks are, are unknown quantity. And uh, I, I, I did it because I have that upside in hockey mix. 
Well, you know, that goes back to what you uh, posted last week on Dynasty, guys, uh, about the uh, first-round picks. And, you know, I, I still keep thinking about that. And, you know, that's an unknown commodity there. You, you really don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what you're going to find. Uh, there are some that are so solid, like this year. I mean, we've got three or four that are that solid. But there's some that are so iffy. And, and it's and it's hard to uh, it's hard to give up a pick, and I don't want to give up a pick right now. Uh, Lance in the chat room just said he could see Fitz going for only eighty three nine eighty and six. And and to, to respond to that, I said if that offense utilizes him that poorly, the coach should be fired because you just lost Bolden. You've got to throw the ball. I know they're going to run the ball, and they're going to make a commitment to that run with that two headed monster back there. But you've got to utilize Larry Fitzgerald. He's the best wide receiver well, well, in the well, league. Hang on, Scott. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Is, is, is Steve Bresson ready for the real breakout year? No. I, I mean, I, I think about a year ago, uh, right now, we were talking about Steve Bresson. Is he really ready for the breakout year this year? No, no. And, and he's, a, he's a fast player. He can move with the ball, but uh, and he can move in space. But yeah, we we we've got to see. We, Larry Fitzgerald is one of the best receivers in the league. Let's move on to this next trade that, that created quite a stir, Mike, in our hyperactive leagues today. Michael Turner, his team one is giving up Michael Turner. Another situation here, just like we saw with this Fitzgerald offer, and we're seeing this as a common theme. You're giving it. You're getting a, an elite stud, and you're throwing in a whole bunch. Here it is. Team one gives up Michael Turner. Team two gives up Jerome Harrison. The two six, the two ten, the two thousand eleven first, and a two thousand eleven second. And FYI, that two thousand eleven first is probably going to be a very high uh, pick. I'm talking about maybe an eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, because the team that has it uh, owns that pick has got a pretty good squad. So I would say it's going to be one of those, uh, you know, you know, higher first round picks, not not uh, not a, not a top three pick. So you're getting team one's given Michael Turner. Team two is giving Harrison two six two ten a uh, two thousand eleven first a two thousand eleven second. Mike, who wins? Team one or team two? The team that uh, traded Turner, uh, he got a lot in return for Michael Turner. Michael Turner, he is the burner, so to speak. Uh, maybe this year will be the year for Michael Turner to really show, but. Uh, he got a lot in return, so I'll take that team. Well, Mike, let me ask you a question. Do you like Jerome Harrison? Do you see him being a, a, a back that you could plug into your lineup this year if, and starting? Uh, well, in Cleveland, yeah, absolutely. You, you almost have to because uh, he, he's shown himself. He's shown what he can do, and uh, you got to understand the situation he's under. Uh, with uh, Holmgren, I mean, things are going to – Definitely changed there, but he's not changed. The quarterbacks have changed, but he's not changed. Yeah, there's a lot of draft picks for Michael Turner. Um, you know, with, with Turner, you've got a, a solid player. You've got a player that is approaching 30, and that's not uh, not ever good in dynasty. And it depends on your on your team needs. Uh, those are those are middle seconds. You never know what can happen with middle seconds. If we look at drafts. Uh, for the last five years, the second round is a crapshoot. 
There are good players in the second round. We all know that, right? But the, but the odds of, of landing that pick are a little more difficult than, than, than it seems, Mike. We, 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 you can always go back to, the, to those drafts. And every draft you go back and look at, you can see the second round. You can say, "Man, look at the look at the guys yeah. that were in that look at the guys that were in that second round." Well, they're surrounded by guys that didn't do anything. Uh, let me give you an example. Here's the second round from last year: two one, Brian Rubisky; two two, Muhammad Masakwai; two three, Andre Brown; two four, Mike Thomas; two five, Joaquin Iglesias; two six, Brandon Tate. 2-7, Patrick Turner. 2-8, Josh Freeman. 2-9, Rashad Jennings. 2-10, Jared Cook. 2-11, Cedric Pittman. 2-12, Jared Dillard. Now, see, that's what I mean. That second round is crap. The entire thing is crap. I mean, you got one or two good players in there. Now, the whole draft isn't crap. I mean, Austin Colley was drafted in the third round. Glenn Coffey in the third round. Uh, there, there's players there. Uh, James Davis in the fourth round. You know, Johnny Knox in the fourth round. I mean, there's players there that are spread out throughout, but it's kind of like just a crapshoot. Like, oh, I, I got lucky. I hit I hit jackpot. You don't know. Now, that was just last year. We can go to any year and take a look at those second-round picks. And, yeah, if you if you know that your guy's going to be there and you can wait on him, sure, it might make sense. I mean, two years ago, the second round looked a little better. You had Matt Ryan, Malcolm Kelly, Ryan Terrain. Donnie Avery, okay, you got lucky with the 2-4, but then it's Earl Bennett, you know, maybe a free agent. Mario Manningham, Jerome Simpson, Jordy Nelson. Now look at this, 2-9, Deshaun Jackson. You hit jackpot. Joe Flacco, you hit jackpot. Early Doucette, Tim Hightower, Brian Braum, okay? Eddie Royal was taken in the third. Dustin Keller in the third. I mean, Deshaun Choice in the third. You know, these guys are, you don't know, there's just a whole bunch of prospects in the college football when they get on the field, then when you know something. So very hard to establish any kind of value in that 2-6 or the 2-10 or the future 2011 second. The only sure things are those first-round picks. And the only first-round pick that he got was a 2011 first, which I looked at, and it's a good team. And so you're getting like the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 pick. Mike, let me ask you, so you have to believe in Jerome Harrison for that trade to make sense. For me, all right. Well, I still can't. I, I still can't. I still can't buy it, Scott. I, I can't buy it. Uh, but th- there's a lot of reasoning behind it. Uh, you know, when I, when I look at it, it, it depends on what what he has depth You're right. value. You're right. As far as his, uh, running backs, uh, his wide receivers. I mean, you know. You're right. You know, I'm it, it depends. Look, I'll tell you this: If you have Michael Turner and you need a, and you need an all-time every-down starter, you know, in your in your lineup every single week, you can't give him up for that, you know, because right. you're just going to be playing the crap roulette, you know, fantasy roulette for that extra pick. But if you have the depth to afford your and, and, and to get rid of your age and to bring in youth, oh, there's nothing like it. For example, I'll give you an example: right. We gave up Randy Moss and Brian Westbrook last year in a dynasty league preseason. Guess what? It didn't hurt us that much. Westbrook didn't do anything. Randy Moss, uh, oh, yeah, okay, you know, that hurts a little bit. But we got so much young talent and depth from that pick. Uh, we're reloaded for years. We, we're reloaded for the next fight. We ended up getting Macklin and Sean Green and and LaShawn McCoy in, in a deal similar to that. 
and we, we brought in Jared Cook and, you know, just, just and Kenny Britt. I mean, we, we reloaded with lots of young rookies that can really, I mean, impact rookies, first-round rookies, not these second-round could-be's. These second-round could-be's, I'm telling you, people overestimate those second-round picks. Yes, there's good players in there, but it's not like it just goes down the line. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't just go 2-1, 2-2, two, 2-3. Two, 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 to be honest with you, the 2-1, in my opinion, unless it's a specific year that the depth is really heavy, doesn't have a lot more value than a 2-6 or a 2-7 or a 3-1. just really doesn't. That's my opinion. That's my take off you know, to it. I used to put a lot of stock in the 3-1, and I'd, I'd be like, well, I'll get another player and this and that. I had an offer for uh, earlier today, the 3-2 for Malcolm Floyd. Mm. I mean, no, I, there was no way I could do that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a not a not a not an insane offer. You know, I, I I love when that trade window pops up in Dynasty, and I know you guys do at home. We got four minutes left in the show. I love when that trade window pops up. Like I had it today too. I'm like, oh goody goody, I got to trade. I click it, view trade, and, and here it is. Bets and two six for Reggie Bush. <laughs> Bets and two six for Reggie Bush. You got to be kidding me. I mean, yeah. come on. Seriously, I don't care what you think the value is of Reggie Bush. Bottom line is, he's explosive. I don't need him all season. He's a fantastic depth player to have because if he gets a start due to a Pierre injury or something, he can be big time. Six, seven, eight catches in a game in PPR leagues. You can't give him up for a 2-6 pick in Belfast. Come on. Don't insult me. Hey, we got a caller from the 4-1-0. Mike, we're going to get 4-1-0 a chance to chime in. Red versus blue, you've got, uh, you've got your chance. 4-1-0. Four one zero, you're on the air. With red versus blue, last chance, and he's gone. Man, these guys get scared tonight, man. I guess they're a little, they're a little antsy. I, I guess they're, they're a little, they're a little skittish here tonight, Mike. They don't want to, they don't want to face the music on red versus blue. Okay, oh, that's fine. Oh, what's wrong with them? I don't know. Hey, we talked about Zavid best for everybody tonight in the chat room and on the show. Uh, listen, the Lions are ready to pounce on this kid in the early second. GM Martin Mayhew has went on record saying he wants a back to complement what he's got in Kevin Jones, or I'm sorry, Kevin Smith, who's recovering from injury. So we could see Javi Best in Lions Blue. I also listened to Tony Dungy this week, Mike, on Dan Patrick. He is sold on Tim Tebow. Now, he said it. Look, he said we heard the same things about Steve Young coming out. We heard the same things about Vince Young coming out. They've got this problem. they got that problem. They can't do it. He said it this way, Mike. Tim Tebow is a fantastic leader a great leader, and a winner, and that can take you places. Mike, what do you think, Tim Tebow, is he draftable in the first or second round? He is a – I totally agree with what uh, with what Tony Junkie, Tony Junkie said. He is a leader. There is no doubt about it. I've seen him on the, on the football field. He can do anything that anybody wants to do. Is he a quarterback? No. Is he draftable? Yes. That's, I mean, that's all i got to say about him. He will not be a quarterback in the NFL. Well, well we will see. It, it, it will be a discussion. Listen, we didn't get to talk a lot about the high-stakes league tonight, Mike. Um, we've, we've got a lot of options here. When, you've got, when you're looking at these online leagues, you're looking at high-stakes leagues, maybe going to Vegas. Uh, obviously, airfare is a good time to buy airfare right now. If you're thinking about high-stakes leagues, get your airfare right now. For good deals with Southwest, go to southwest.com and you can get some good flights out to Vegas right now. 
uh, if you jump on them this week. Uh, but, Mike, we've got the drafts in Chicago we go up to. It's the 14-teamer. We've got the drafts in Vegas we go to. Uh, what are you thinking about the world of high-stakes football? I'll let you close it out. Well, I, you know, I think it's it's going to look good. And uh, going to Las Vegas, you know, as far as uh, you, you're just moving out there and then uh, – 30 seconds. All right, sounds good. Go Big Blue, Go Big Blue, John Wall, John Wall, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, and uh, let's go Big Blue. And uh, But other than that, uh, other than that, Red versus Blue, Sports Talk Radio. We love it. We love it, guys. You've been listening to Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.